excuse me. Going on with dance and stuff. What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Hi. It's Thursday evening. It's must be creeping up on 8 p.m. I I had a weird day today, um, but in the end, it turned out fine. I. I took my first in-person Cunningham class today since pre-pandemic times. They're having um, limited size classes at Brishnikov Arts Center that you can sign up for. And I think they're doing like 10 or 15 maximums. And I signed up to take Carol Teitelbaum's class this week. And I sort of forgot about it, but then yesterday I remembered and had to reorganize reorganize today because I thought I didn't want that spot to go to waste. So I went into Cunningham this morning at BAC at 10 and we did class in masks. And it was nice to see some of the old crew in Cunningham class. There are certain classes in New York where you don't necessarily look forward to seeing all the old characters that, you know, you've been seeing for many years. In fact, there are some classes that I avoid going to now because I, I don't want to see those people. It's not because I don't like them. It's just they're now sort of relegated to the past and and to that class being in the past and it's too jarring to go back to these classes and see all the same people and you know in New York you really can rely on seeing all the same people in these classes because while there may be people who kind of come in and out or come in and never come back there's always going to be a group of people that are devotees to whatever form it may be. Just checking if it's still a recording. And so, I don't know, there's something about um, a devotee that makes me anxious. <laughs> so anyways, I went to Cunningham. Maybe I am that at Cunningham, not really. I do, I'm a pop in and pop out. And the devotees at Cunningham, I, I weirdly like them. I, I'm not made anxious by them. Pat Catterson's been taking Cunningham for over 50 years and, and it's a pleasure to see her and to see how organized her body still is from, from being devoted to her Cunningham practice and other things, but, um, for those of you who don't know Pat Catterson, Pat um, has been dancing Yvonne Rayner's work for quite a while. And maybe Pat makes her own work too. I'm not certain of that. Don't quote me. Um, I'm walking home and I don't think there'll be a guest conversation this week, I have been 
running around a lot in the last several days trying to we're kind of in one of those times where we're both like at the beginning middle and end of several projects all at once and I'm going back to school in a week and so I feel I feel overwhelmed but an interesting thing happened in the last few days where I was planning to do this sort of involved project where I had to rely on several people for help um, for a, a thing I want to work on for my thesis but it, the whole thing has kind of fallen apart <laughs> because Jeremy is not available to film Pam has been um, having to shift dates around because of other obligations and I have not been able to actually get all of the work done on the costume component that I thought I would be able to. It's just every aspect of this process has taken longer than I had anticipated. And so at any rate, and also I planned on using Abert's Art Center spaces, both our studio and the dance studios over the weekend but they are closed for June, Juneteenth observance, which is great. And so they made that decision today that the building would be closed tomorrow and Saturday, and that is fine. It just means that I had to kind of let go of this kind of idea of getting a whole bunch of stuff done. Do you hear it? It's all the people. We're all out having dinner. Um, just made eye contact with someone who thought, I wonder what he's doing talking at his phone like that. But I, I have to imagine it just looks like I'm talking on the phone, speakerphone style. I'm still riding high on seeing that Trisha Brown show at Wave Hill. Um, I did subsequently watch some things, streaming things. The Het National Ballet premiered um, a work we designed for Chris Wielden for Fall for Dance, which was a, originally a duet for David Hallberg and Sarah Sarah Mearns, I almost called her Sarah Mitchelson, but I mean, wouldn't that have been something? A duet for David Hallberg and Sarah Mitchelson. <laughs> no, duet for David Hallberg and Sarah Mearns. And so the Dutch National Ballet acquired that work and we, um, we did the costume. We, had, uh, we helped them to reproduce the costumes for the piece and then we got a link to the program which included that duet now being danced by two other dancers and um, it also included some filmed dances by choreographers I'm unfamiliar with that happened outside one of them on a really 
beautiful um, sculpture, outdoor, huge outdoor sculpture of weird kind of platforms, all white outlined in black. And it was um, really cool. I mean, I don't think, I mean, the dancing wasn't anything to write home about, but the, the space was really beautiful. And the, and then they finished up a program with David Dawson's The Four Seasons. Um, or, you know, I glanced at it periodically uh, while I was in my studio working. And um, I, I appreciate, here's what I appreciate. I appreciate unisex costumes. And this indeed had unisex costumes, which most David Dawson works do not. In fact, David Dawson is one of the, I mean, I don't know what his conversation with his designers is. I think he frequently uses Yumiko as designer for his work. But um, I don't know what the conversation around design is, but frequently um, men and women are very clearly distinguished in that way where men are either in tights and a leotard or pants and a t-shirt and women are always in a leotard with bare legs. Now, have Harriet and I done this? I believe we have. All of David Dawson's pieces are like that. And, and I, I mean, look, I can only speak for the ones I've seen. I don't know why I'm spending so much time on David Dawson. Um, but this one had unisex costumes. All this to say, I appreciate that it was all the usual moves you can imagine. Running with arms behind, um, men manipulating women into um, very elastic positions. Whatever. Anyways, just pointless to talk about these things. They just, they continue on, but there's been glimmers of hope and um, changing in the dance world. And the choreographers like that continue to be supported and employed. There are also other kinds of people being supported and employed who work in a very different way with a very different set of values and um, we should be thankful for that okay what else did I see I saw the Juilliard division senior dance choreography showcase on a video or a, you know digital what do they call that digital link a link and um, you know it's so interesting to think about how these things have shifted over the years and and what are the influences for these young dancers um, Juilliard is a dancing school. We all know that. Um, 
and they do have comp classes. Uh, but over the years, the, you can really clearly see the influence of their teachers and the repertoire that they do dance in their own compositions, which stands to reason, right? I mean, one of Pam's most influential teachers was Valda Sutterfield at um, Sarah Lawrence? Yeah. And Sarah Lawrence? I think so. And, uh, and there you have it, the influence of Cunningham running through the bloodlines. And at any rate, this show was okay. And Jack Murphy made a dance that was very singular has a voice that is very much his own which is so refreshing to see in young people gives us hope that that we will continue to see new dance um gosh what else happened bobby has been texting about a garment that he is making in Germany that's a very meaningful garment. I won't I won't tell you about it. I'll let him speak for himself via social media or whatever. Um, but it's been interesting to be in dialogue with Bobby about that. And Bobby the other day said, I'd like you to talk more about or have a conversation about uh, dance costumes specifically. And, you know, we touch on it, or I touch on it, um, semi-frequently, or semi, some of the time. Um, but I sh I'll have Harriet back, or maybe Harriet and someone else at some point to speak on costumes, dance costumes. What I, I've been thinking about, you know, what are the questions that I'd like people to ask themselves when they look at costumes for dance? And I think the biggest question is to start watching that dance and assess whether or not it is necessary or whether or not it feels important or makes sense for for gender to be delineated through dress in the piece and i am i mean i i'm i'm certainly i have nothing against um the use of gender normative dress or costumes that engage in gender binaries to tell a story or make a point or tell us something about the character of a person in a dance, even if it is abstract. But uh, more often than not, I think that decision is, is arbitrary. And I think that people are dressing men and women in these either very different or subtly different ways uh, because 
it is what they know and it is what they're accustomed to, but it isn't actually a choice that's being made. Um, is that the end of that sentence? It isn't actually a choice that's being made with regard to the content of the dance. That is correct. And I think that if we can start seeing bodies away from gender binaries, it'll be easier to also start considering the dance away from gender binaries and then, you know, considering life away from gender binaries, which, as we know, have not done anyone much good. So we want dance to be progressive and an example for for culture and society, but more often than not, particularly in the higher echelons of dance, you will find that um, representation on the stage is fairly regressive and is some strange reflection of a time that is in many ways a time gone by, especially in artistic communities um, where, you know, women wear dresses and men wear pants and um, it's 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 over. <laughs> it has to be. It has to end. I, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not here advocating to dismantle um, all gender normative or gender traditional dressing. I'm not because Harriet and I will continue to utilize the history of of dance costume design and costume design and, and in general as well as you know the history of uh, human garment wearing you know going forward we'll continue to to do that but there you know it ha there has to be um consideration there has to be an understanding of the context it can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again it's nuts quite frankly and if if people are listening and and they're thinking well maybe some of those design details or style lines that we associate with being either male or female are to do with the shape of the body etc i defy you to please consider looking at those shapes on the gender that you don't associate them with and really, really examine that and try to explain to me why it is not good. It's not good because you're not used to it. It's not good because it makes you uncomfortable. But it's not, um, it is not a fair value system to place on, uh, on costume design. Anyways, this man's wearing a very nice double-breasted jacket, which would look beautiful even on someone who's not male. <laughs> At any rate, I speak emphatically and at length about this because I 
it is one of the ways in which our creativity has been tamped down a little bit. Um, yes. So we'll keep talking about it and have Harriet back on to say more and maybe language these ideas in a different way. Um, what else? I'm, I'm now on West Broadway and I'm getting closest to home. I found that ever since the face punch, I have a little bit less trust in everybody. That stands to reason, right? Everybody who I make eye contact with or glance at, I'm a little bit like, do you want to punch me? I also have to say that as predicted, this post-vaccine New York is very um, wild. There's really just so many more people out on the streets than I recall there being in previous summers. And the kind of, <laughs> those people who are normally um, erratic or down and out, the homeless population of New York and the mentally ill, their behaviors are super amplified right now. And I don't know exactly how to explain why that is. But anyways, I wish we had some kind of social anthropologist here to explain that. Anyways, lots of erratic behavior in the streets of New York. So I've been keeping my, keeping my eyes out. I, I think I may have seen possible but also I may have seen the person that punched me yesterday as I was walking um, they were dealing with some kind of motor scooter very close to where I'd been punched and they they had the sort of broad strokes descriptions of the first of the rather the person that I remember so who knows and I just said that person was also talking to their phone like me, but I think they actually were on the phone. Um, are you watching Mayor of East Town? I thought all this time that the people who'd been repeatedly telling me about it were saying mayor, the mayor of East Town. But it's not. It's just mayor. Uh, like Mayor Winningham. I think Mayor in this situation, Kate Winslet's character stands for Marianne. I seem to recall Jean Smart saying her full name at some point. Great cast. And also, excellent accent work from Kate Winslet and um, Evan Peters and others in the cast, as far as I can tell. I, I'm no kind of central Pennsylvania accent expert, but it is impressive to hear Kate Winslet kind of immersed in this, in this way of talking. 
How does it go? Let's see if I can do it. <laughs> what if I just try to repeat what I said? Uh, to to see. Wait, no. To to see Kate Winslet immersed in this way of talking, 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 talking. I can't do accents. That's the thing. There's a. I can do British in this way. I'm sure it's wrong, but I, I literally, I can't do. I really can do Australian. Would never be able to do South African. I, I, I can't really. I don't know that I could distinguish between like German, French, Russian. It's not good. It's not good. I, it's, I've, I've been told I have a good ear for languages in terms of the way that I pronounce them, but that's that's. Um, that's an effect of having gone to uh, boy choir school, etc., for all those years and having various kinds of international pronunciation drilled into me. Okay, I'm walking past this restaurant called Lola Taverna, where, judging from the looks of it, of it you can order a whole filleted fish with some like parsley and lemon, a bowl of spinach. This place is always absolutely packed. The entire sidewalk is full of these huge tables of people. They have the whole thing made like a bower of artificial bougainvillea. And um, <clears throat> the clientele is very, uh, I'm gonna say financial district or something. It's all these kind of I, I'm gonna try not to be mean but it's very straight it's very straight okay um, here we are I'm now walking past King which is the fancy restaurant on the corner of my street and the people who eat here it's always a very like well-dressed crowd do I say that every week um, I guess I must have skipped a week saying that because of last week's car ride with Cassie, but it really strikes me every time this, the difference of walking past various um, establishments and seeing how different the clientele looks. And I mean, these places are side by side. You're really like, wow, there's a lot of different kinds of people in New York. I'm just going to take a break from talking for one second. I'm waiting to receive a book that I meant to be reading for school. The delivery is delayed, probably because all my classmates have ordered it. That's okay. No mail, which is great. I would love to never receive an email again. But I do like when I get a real piece of mail that, you know, with a handwritten address, and whether that be a holiday card or a letter. God forbid, has anyone ever received a letter? Oh, I did receive, maybe this was the last letter I received was from my ex-boyfriend, absolutely dumping me um, in the most kind of 
Jane Austen-esque way via written mail in cursive. But anyway, that was a long time ago, and I can only speak for myself, but everyone's okay. <laughs> Everyone, meaning me. Oh, what do we have in our bags today? We have a little bit of laundry. This morning, uh, after Cunningham, I met my friend Cecily in the garment district to go around looking for materials for a dress that I'm going to make for her, I think, I hope. <laughs> and um, how's it fun? It's fun to see the garment district through the eyes of a person who's not spent any time there because... You know, it is fascinating to. Oh, I'm laying on my bed now. To go to walk into these establishments. Oh, should I wash my hands? I know that some of you are like, he didn't even wash his hands. Just a sec. Um. certain that wasn't 20 seconds but I feel safe I don't know that I ever washed my hands for the recommended time Russell showed me his hands at the beginning of COVID oh no it couldn't have been the beginning because I didn't see him until until I was back from California so it would have been August and his hands were just destroyed from all the washing what was I talking about? Oh, today. So we walked through the garment district and we're looking for certain kinds of trim for this garment. And and it was sort of fun. But then Cecily left and then I had to navigate searching for various supplies by myself. And this week has been so crazy in terms of having bad luck in shops. And indeed, oh God. I have to check something. Indeed, I ran into a lot more bad luck today. Searching for various things. Oh, good. I had to buy my mom um, these push pins from Muji. They have these cylindrical clear heads on them. She wants some for a project she's doing in her new home that she's moving into. And I'm going to bring them to her this weekend. I'm going to help her do some unpacking and organizing, which is a skill of mine. Uh, anyways, I went into Muji. Um, well, I'll just go through the whole story. I'll give you a little sneak peek into the disastrous shopping experiences I've been having. So once I left Cecily... Well, actually, right before I left Cecily, we were going to go into Toho Shoji, which is a Japanese trim shop. And weirdly, they had a sign on the door that said closed until 2.15. And this is definitely part of the experience I've been having in New York lately, is that people are not sticking to their hours. They're, everyone's feeling very free to just put up a paper sign on the door that says be back in two hours or whatever. And you're like, OK, this isn't a village. This is New York City. But at any rate. The dry cleaner that I dropped this Reen Harriet dress off at last week um, 
sent me an email that said your your garment is ready for pickup last Saturday. And every time I go, there's a sign on the well, sometimes there's not even a sign on the door, but they're just not open. Nobody's there. Nobody's keeping shop. And so now I've realized that I definitely took that garment to not the right dry cleaner. So Cecily left. I got on the train and I went down to I was going to try to go to the complete sculptor to find a material that I want to use in this project I'm doing with Pam and Harriet for school. But you need an appointment to go into the complete sculptor, which I did not know. So I didn't get to go in there. I said, it's okay. I will go to Muji and get these pins. So I go to the Muji on 19th street and they're like, those pins exist. We don't have them. Would you like me to check if any of the other stores have them? I said, yes, please. They said 42nd street and Soho have them as does Hudson Yards. I said, thank you so much. So I leave Muji empty handed. And at this point I have to poop so much. I'm sweating. I go into Blick trying to find some shirring thread, which is a nylon thread for gathering fabrics that I had forgotten to get while I was in the garment district this morning. And I went to Blick. They did not have shirring thread. They also do not have um, restrooms for the public. So I leave Blick. I go to Michael's. I think maybe Michael's, which is, you know, an American strip mall establishment is going to have a restroom. And maybe they're also going to have shearing thread in what I was expecting to be a more comprehensive sewing section than Blick, which is, you know, an art supply store with a very small sewing section. But Michael's, in fact, had like a more depressing sewing section, weirdly. Which makes me think that, you know, people who don't live in New York around this country, it's hard to get your hands on good supplies. But I suppose you can just order everything online. So that's a good thing. Um, so I go into Michael's. They do not have shirring thread. They do not have restrooms available to the public. At this point, I think I'm going to poop my pants. So... I backtrack one block to Trader Joe's because I feel confident that Trader Joe's on 6th Avenue is going to have a public restroom. And guess what? They do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Trader Joe's. And not only did they have a restroom, but it was fairly clean and stayed empty the entire time I was defecating. Um, So that was... That was the greatest joy of my day because once I left Trader Joe's, I felt light as a feather. I felt free. I I stopped having full body sweats. I stopped feeling incredibly anxious about the world, about life, about my body. Um, and I suppose the moral of that story is like poop. Poop if you need to because it will make you feel better. It'll improve your day. So after poop, I thought, I'm not going to have gone through this whole excursion and not have gotten the sharing thread that I absolutely needed to carry on with this project. So I went back uptown to the garment district, now on the one train. And here was the good thing. The sharing thread 
was fairly easy to find um, at Silthread. And then I thought, you know what? I can go to the 42nd Street Muji or the 40th Street Muji rather and get those pushpins. And indeed they had them. And I was able to get six little containers of pushpins for my mom. And I also bought a blue linen sweater for myself. It was on sale. $29. So I love a summer knit. So then I got back on the train, blue train this time, transferred at West Forth, got on the app, went to Essex Market, picked up a sandwich and iced coffee, walked the rest of the way to Abrams, only to find out as soon as I arrived that they will, in fact, be closed over the weekend. And I thought, ah, I feel released from trying to accomplish all the things that I'm not going to be able to. And then I made a cape. And I, that's pretty much it. That's all I really accomplished today. Cunningham class, a very disorderly journey through central Manhattan and a cape. And now I'm home and I'm laying on my bed. And I've been recording for 40 minutes. Is there anything else you're interested in hearing about? Thank you so much, Grant, for answering my question about digital drawings. That was incredibly helpful. Um, and once I am done with all these projects and done with school, etc., maybe I'll start really thinking about getting getting all that stuff in order. I'm tired, everybody. And I, um, when I recline, there's really no stopping me from going to bed. Are, are, are you, are you watching the Lizzie Chi videos on, on, on YouTube? I don't know that, that she's releasing a lot of new content right now, but somehow it's, it's an unending archive of material. Last night I watched one where she, it was a brief, really short one. She peeled, well, first she went into, she always seems to go into the mountains or go into the woods and harvest vegetables and fruits that seem to be on other people's property or no one's property at all, just in the wild. But she went to a peach tree on a mountain and just picked all these beautifully ripe yellow clingstone peaches. And then she peeled them all with a knife. Well, no, she, she rinsed them first in this contraption that she's made that really bothers me, which is this series of bamboo hoses where like the water comes out of a spigot into like a, out of a bamboo tube. And then it like falls into another sort of like ramp of bamboo and then into the next ramp of bamboo and into the next ramp of bamboo. And then into the place where you, you know, rinse off your freshly picked peaches or you rinse off your freshly picked string beans or whatever. So she's always rinsing stuff in this crazy Rube Goldberg bamboo contraption. And then she peeled the peaches and then 
she cut them in half and she pried the, the pit out with a spoon, which I thought was, was a good idea. And then she put them in a simple syrup or it wasn't even because she didn't cook it. She, did she cook it? She just put sugar and water and then she put the peaches in there and then she cooked it. And then she, um, put them in a glass container and flipped the container upside down. And that was the end of the video. I would love to have one of those peaches. Thank you. Um, and then I watched her do one where she and her grandmother were watching a television show. Now this is something I'd never seen on Lizzie Chi before because she doesn't ever watch TV though you know her grandmother is occasionally watching the television but she's watching the TV and it's um it's like some kind of period Chinese drama that they're watching perhaps a famous show that I don't know about from China and on that show there's some kind of meal or tea party and the table uh, that they're sitting around has let me see if I can language this It's been planted as a kind of garden slash centerpiece around which is a winding, a miniature winding stream that that plates can fit in and float on the surface of the water. So they there's some kind of current running counterclockwise and the dishes can just continually float in a circle around this serpentine stream, which is embedded in the table. So Lizzie Chi said, I'm going to do that. She goes outside. She finds some like old falling apart platform in her barn. She pulls it out and she starts fixing it up. And, and when I say fixing it up, I mean, she's fully using like um, a chisel to make, gosh, I wish I knew the names of woodworking things. Um, not like dovetail, but that thing where you, oh God, chisel away some of the wood. So you're left with like a smaller rectangle that can then fit into a rectangular hole that's in the other leg. What's that called? It's like basically putting a peg in a hole, but rectangle style. So meanwhile, she's doing this with like a hammer and a chisel. And she's also like sawing enormous lengths of wood with a handsaw. And I'm thinking, really, really, is she doing this? Or like, are they cutting camera and someone else is taking these pieces over to a table saw? And we know we'll never know. We'll never know. But she goes through the process of refurbishing this table and then sanding everything beautifully and then begins the process of making a concrete base and shaping the stream and then waiting for it to dry, finishing, oh, plumbing it with some kind of tube mechanism and then painting it with some kind of, I have to assume, water, water sealant, a, a waterproofer concoction. And then 
she plants a beautiful garden in the center of this whole thing um, with succulents and little plants that she's embedding in the soil with tweezers and it's very beautiful. Then she finally fills it with water and you get to see the water flowing in a current and she puts these wooden dishes on the water and they float around and she has a lovely meal for her grandmother and um, invited guests, which are the two people who help her make her video content. And what did she prepare for them to eat? There was a ribs dish. There was some kind of grains that she turned into, into these little fried patties. Those seemed interesting. She makes... Oh, she also made a... Everything was based around this plant that she picked in the woods. I didn't know what it was, but perhaps it was a kind of mint. Cause, But everything she was making was sort of like either being braised on a bed of these leaves or steamed on a bed of those leaves or steeped with those leaves or topped with those leaves or those leaves were going into a tea. Um, but I don't know what they were. They weren't conventional mint variety. I, I do know what mint looks like. Uh, but I recommend you watch that video. Good luck finding it. I have no idea what it's called. I couldn't even imagine what it could be called. Stream table? That's a good name for it. But that's not what it's called. What time is it? It is quarter to nine. What am I going to have for dinner, you ask? I don't know, but I do, I do have a container of very nice cherry tomatoes. Maybe we could do something with that. Maybe I'll just do a simple pasta. I did have pasta last night, but not a lot. Um, and I took Cunningham today, so I'm tired fitness queen right now. I'm sorry I haven't had a guest on in a while. Wait, I'm not sorry I had a guest on last week. Hey, don't yell at me. What else are you watching? I watched something else. Maybe an episode. Oh, I started watching Fosse Verdon. Oh, and I went to see a live um, seek treatment at the Bell House. And it was maskless because you have to prove vaccination upon entrance. And that was so fun. And wow, Pat and Cat, So funny even in real life with an audience. Um, I'm, I'm glad I went. I went by myself and I had, um, I had such a nice time. Anyways, I watched um, something else. Oh, I watched the Pacific Northwest Ballet streaming program. Did I, did I talk to you about that last week? I know I described what it would be, but I, did I describe what it turned out to be? I don't remember, but thank you for the kind reviews. Um, Rachel Howard at Fjord. Um, wow, that was so nice. And I would love for more dance reviews to, uh, to be structured in that way. I'm sorry. Sorry if people disagree. 
And I hate to be a person who is talking about reviews, but I'm actually not, I, I don't have, I don't have, um, a great deal of resentment about, um, costumes being so underrepresented in, in reviews. I think it stands to reason that people who write about dance, um, shouldn't necessarily write about costumes or yeah, I don't know actually what, what should be expected around the discourse of visual design when, when, when someone's area of expertise is dance. But at any rate, Rachel Howard wrote a very, very kind review about Christopher Wielden's Curious Kingdom that, um, that began with a rather lengthy discussion around the costumes. And I thought, I don't see why this shouldn't be more normal. I think sometimes the costumes are what, what we do remember most, or they are the thing that make, a, or that can make a very powerful impression. And maybe they do deserve to um, be spoken to in equal measure in, um, you know, critical dialogues about work. Anyways, and I mean, obviously, I'm saying that because it's my job and I'm, I'm, um, I'm being made to have gray hair because of it. <laughs> Everyone's laughing. Everyone in the room's laughing. All my bananas are just giggling away in that wire basket. Okay, I digress. It's 52 minutes. That's enough. That's enough. I can't go on. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's so nice when someone like Grant comes out of the blue to let me know that they're still listening and answering questions. Hello. Okay. J'adore all of you. And um, maybe I'll line up a guest for next week. Pam and Harriet and I are having lunch tomorrow, so maybe I'll secretly record it. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the next wave of podcasts will just be um um what's that called when people uh, uh you know undisclosed recording devices um recording conversations okay love you bye